praise God. Jesus realized that without Holy Spirit, that his followers, including us, would not be able to fulfill God's call on their lives. So he sent Holy Spirit to be our helper, our teacher, our comforter, our advocate, our intercessor, our strengthener, our revealer of truth, and the one who empowers us. Holy Spirit does so much for us. Developing a relationship with Holy Spirit is crucial, as I said before, for those who desire to discover and fulfill God's will for their lives. Yet the truth is that so many Christians are on fire for God and love Jesus with all their hearts, minds, souls, and strength, but they remain less familiar with Holy Spirit. Some long to fellowship with the Spirit of God to hear His still, small voice, but don't know how or don't believe that they can. So I ask you today, who do you say Holy Spirit is? Who do you say Holy Spirit is? Many people disregard his work in their lives because they don't understand who he is. And even those who know him don't always have a continual awareness of his presence and a deep revelation of his love for him. First of all, we need to realize and understand that Holy Spirit is a person and not a what. We always say God, we call Jesus by name, yet we always say the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. By putting the word the in front of his name, it depersonalizes him. It, uh, it, it, it doesn't make him personal because you're speaking of him as an object, the Holy Spirit. We need him in order to be victorious, especially in these times. So we need to see and understand his role after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was always with mankind, but God selectively gave him to the prophets. Today he is available to all believers. So we have to see indeed where it starts. Starting with Jesus, the Bible proves that after Jesus was alive and active on earth, uh, he was active on earth after the resurrection. Jesus gave direction to wait for the Holy Spirit. This was going to be the birth of the church. So let's just re-familiarize ourselves by going to Acts. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I want you to see where it, where it originated, so to speak. As I said, Holy Spirit was always um, here, for, here with man. But man, God only uh, made Holy Spirit available to the prophets as he saw fit. He selectively gave, gave uh, prophecies to the prophets. And many times you see in Old Testament where the prophet said, you know, the Lord came upon me and thus saith the Lord and so on like that. But he just wasn't available to all of mankind. So we see that in Acts chapter 1. Um, Acts chapter 1. Okay, where we start with verse number 3. You see, where it's, this is where he's talking about Jesus showing himself. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, ghost not many days hence. Okay? And so he told them to stay and to tarry. And then we go, we, we move forward quickly to um, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we see here where surely enough as Jesus had instructed them to follow. And these are all very familiar scriptures to everyone that's here. And Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now you see there where it says all with one accord in one place. They were in agreement. 
you know, as to the events to come. And the day of Pentecost was 50 days, hence Penta, 50 days after uh, Jesus' resurrection. And then in verse number 2 it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right? So we see there the Holy Ghost was, was poured out upon all of the people there. And that was actually the beginning of the church age. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity which is made up of three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The following verses give a beautiful picture of the Trinity in the Bible. So now we go to Matthew. Just want to get a feeling for the, the presence or, uh, of the Holy Spirit and how he's mentioned in Scripture. And then we'll look at the reasons why we should be looking to uh, avail ourselves of Holy Spirit. Matthew 3, and starting with verse number 1, Matthew chapter 3, verse number 1. In those days came, came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is what was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out, out uh, to him... Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to come flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet, fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham uh, to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto, uh, unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree has bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He's speaking of Jesus, of course. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will uh, thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with his uncrunchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I need to be, have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so, for thus, thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. In other words, he allowed him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my loved, uh, beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, I'll just put a bracket around uh, 16 and 17. We know those scriptures very well. But this is the first place in the Bible where the Trinity is actually...
actually spoken of in one place where it says the voice from heaven being the father saying this is my beloved son and then the Holy Spirit actually descending upon Jesus now the interesting thing is that even though Jesus was God or is God while he was here on earth he was here as a man and so he still needed the anointing of Holy Spirit you see so here we see that Holy Spirit is indeed a part of the of the Trinity okay so then when you move to Matthew 28 Matthew 28 Praise the living God. Hallelujah. Matthew 28. Okay. So we see there that Jesus was baptized. And so then Jesus' disciples had the need to be, uh, to be baptized uh, in the spirit here. Or, or that they're sent, rather, to baptize. Verse number 16. Matthew 28. Verse number 16. Starting with 16, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they were worshipped, uh, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Please underline, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Okay, so he was indeed now telling the disciples to go forth uh, and to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. All right? Then, let's give a new background here. Then we go to John. The book of John 14. John 14. And we go to verse 13. Well, as a matter of fact, go, go to 11. Start with verse 11. Okay. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I, that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. Well, before I move on, you see what he's saying there. He's saying that the things that I did, you shall do, and you shall do greater. So the works that Jesus Christ did, Jesus is telling us that the things that I did, you can do also. You see, but many times we don't believe that. Now, this is not saying that you are God. This is not saying that you are Jesus Christ. But it's the fact that you are a child of God. And, and because of Jesus Christ, you have certain abilities that God has given to you. All right. Obviously, through power of Holy Spirit. OK, now he goes on to say, if you in verse 14 again, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. 16. And I will pray the father. And he shall give you another comforter. Please underline, uh, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that you may abide, that may abide with you forever, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not. 
neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwells within you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live, you shall live also. Alright? So the main scriptures there are going back to first, uh, verse four, uh, 16. Is he saying that I will give you a comforter, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The world are those people that are not believers. The world cannot, non-believers cannot receive the Holy Spirit, cannot receive the Spirit of truth. Amen. Because he sees him not, neither knows him. This is the world. But you know him, and he dwells within you and shall be in you. So, one thing that we as Christians don't seem to understand and don't really get deep down in our spirits, that the Holy Spirit is in you. And that the Holy Spirit is with you, you see. But many times, you know, we as Christians forget to avail ourselves of the power of the fact that Holy Spirit is in us. You know, and we forget about the awesome, the awesome power that is there um, uh, uh, for, our, for our use, so to speak, in the name of Jesus Christ. So therefore, when things are going on in our lives, we forget the fact that Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's a counselor. He's there to, to, to guide you, to give you, to give you some relief when there's issues, the issues of life come resting down upon you, you see, but many times we don't understand that, and we still think of the Holy Spirit as something that is just out there, just floating around not realizing that the Holy Spirit is indeed one of the Godhead he's one of the Trinity, he is God amen, amen, and Jesus said the Father will send him, alright and, and we see that in the second chapter of Acts, he was made available to all those all believers, he says in verse number 18, um, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You see? But many times again, when things are going on in our lives and there are, there are the issues of life are barreling down upon us, we forget the fact that Holy Spirit is there with us. And how do we call upon Him? How do we call upon Him? You know? How many times do you, when you get up in the morning and before you walk out the door, how many times do you actually pray during your prayer time, Heavenly Father, give me a fresh anointing of Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is in you, but there's, there's also evidence in the Bible that there were continual anointings, there were continual fillings of Holy Spirit. But many times we forget to even asking God to give us a fresh anointing. Let your Holy Spirit guide me. Let your Holy Spirit give me advice. There are so many times when, when I have prayed for, sick, for the sick and people have asked me to lift up a family member in prayer. They're in the hospital or going to the doctor or whatever, or having a test done. When I am going to have any kind of a test or a procedure done, I always ask the Lord, give me a fresh anointing of Holy Spirit. The Lord, Heavenly Father, let your Holy Spirit guide the doctors, guide the technicians, guide all that are in attendance over me. Guide everyone that's on that floor in the nurses' stations. Guide them by your Holy Spirit, O oh Lord God, to give them the insights and the wisdom to hear your voice. To guide them in what needs to be done relative to my, my, my uh, issue or condition or whatever it is or my procedure being done. I pray the same thing for others that ask me for prayer. Lord, let your Holy Spirit be in, the, be in that room with, with, with the so-and-so, with the patient. Let your Holy Spirit be there. You see, but we forget that we have the Holy Spirit as a comforter and as a counselor, as a, as a guidance, if you will, to help us in our lives. Okay? We also see now, if you go to, um, uh, we're going to look at what are some of the attributes of the Holy Spirit. I want to bring, bring the Holy Spirit from the concept of being an it 
or like in Star Wars, may the power be with you, and like in some force that's floating around out there, to being a member of the Godhead as a person, so to speak. Not a flesh and blood person, but as, 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 as a living uh, part of the, God, of the Godhead. What are the attributes of the Holy Spirit? Now, we want to think about now, he's not a thing, so therefore, because things cannot possess these qualities or attributes. Only a living, thinking being can have these attributes. So, Holy Spirit has a will. So let's go to Corinthians. Go to the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Okay. Holy Spirit has a will. If he wasn't it or a thing that was floating around, then that would imply that the Holy Spirit has no will. He's just kind of just bouncing around um, as the wind blows, so to speak. All right. Now, uh, verse number one, twelve, one. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. You can underline that too, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. I don't know anyone that can claim to be born again that, that, that can actually say that, that uh, uh, Jesus is Lord but by the power of the Holy Spirit that's in them. I mean, you can mouth the words, but whether or not you believe it is another is another story. And I've seen some people when you get into an argue, a deep argument, so to speak, or, or a debate on the realities of God and, and the Trinity and so forth, and you ask them, you know, is Jesus the Son of God? Is Jesus? Can you say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Many times they will refuse to say it. They will give you a whole bunch of other nonsense to dodge the question, but if they cannot claim that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, then obviously there's absence of the Holy Ghost. Because if the Holy Ghost who is in God, who is God, is in that person, then no way could they, could they deny that Jesus exists and that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? Amen? God is not schizophrenic. He's not going to have his spirit dwelling in some person and not be able to acknowledge the fact of who Jesus is. Amen. So then we go on in verse number four. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit, underlined given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. And to another, an interpretations of tongues. But all these worketh that one uh, worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Underline as he will. 
Okay, now I'm not going to unpack every single discussion of every single gift of the Spirit there, but I just want to emphasize the point where it says, dividing to every man severally as he will. So again, as an attribute, Holy Spirit is, is, is not a thing because a thing does, have, does not have the ability to give something, especially a spiritual gift. So this is the will of the Holy Spirit. That means that the Holy Spirit is a thinking entity. He decides that this is what he is going to give to someone. And he goes and he gives it. So therefore, again, Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. He is not just simply a thing. The Holy Spirit also reveals truth. Okay, let's go to the book of John. Reveals truth. Book of John. John 14. that already 14 15 to 26 yeah we did that then uh, we pick up from just pick up at 20 at that day you shall know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you he that has my commandments and keeps them he it is that loveth me and he that loveth me shall be loved by my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him Judas saith unto him not Iscariot Lord how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world Jesus answered and said unto him if a man love me he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto to him and make our abode with him he that loves me not keeps not my sayings and the word which you hear is not mine but the father's which sent me so Jesus is saying that these are the father's words that Jesus is simply relaying to us these things have I spoken unto you being yet present with you but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. Please in the line. The Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. Please on the line. He shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. Now I just want to pause there for a moment. Because if you've got things going on in your life. And if you don't know Holy Spirit, and again, I can't overemphasize the fact of us being able to praise him and to worship him and to realize who he is, not what he is, but who he is. When you've got the issues of life that are coming upon you, and maybe you need a scripture, or perhaps even you're in conversation or some sort of a debate with someone else, especially a non-believer or an unbeliever. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance those scriptures that are, that are appropriate. When the things in your life start going awry, and there's all sorts of things that you're praying for and believing for, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance those things that the Word of God says. If there's something that you are, 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 are not sure of how to do, he says that he shall teach you all things and brings all things to your remembrance. If there's something that you feel in your spirit that God is wanting you to do, but you're unsure of how to do it, Well, the Holy Spirit is there to give you that guidance. 
If there is something in your life that you're praying about and you're kind of torn between two things, you don't know whether to go to the left or to the right, this is a good time for you to seek the face of God and ask, Holy Spirit, Lord, please give me some guidance. If you're feeling down and out and you're just feeling like your life is falling apart and you need some comforting, well, the Holy Spirit is that comfort for you. You see? You know, when the things, many things that happen in our lives wind up manifesting as, as, as emotions sometimes. When we have difficult things going on in our lives, it can become an emotional thing where you can actually start feeling, oh, what's the point, or you're not knowing where to go. You're just feeling like your, your life is just, oh boy, it was doing so great, and all of a sudden it's, tor- it's torn to shreds. You just don't know where to turn. Holy Spirit is your comforter, you know. The way we would run to our mom or our dad or someone that we loved when we were kids, when there's something going on really, really difficult in our lives. You came home from school and you were upset about something or whatever, and you ran to your mom or your dad or someone that you loved. Well, Holy Spirit is there for us as adults. Holy Spirit is there for us as Christians, as, ch- as his children. Amen? As children of the living God. You see? But we forget about Holy Spirit. You see? Now, there's nothing wrong with us praying, you know, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, and then laying out what your problem is. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, and laying out your problem. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is also a time when you can actually reach the Holy Spirit and say, Say, Lord, give me a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. Open my eyes that I can see. You don't know how many times I would go to meetings and I knew that it was going to be a challenging meeting and I would pray beforehand and say, Lord, let your Holy Spirit go, go with me to this meeting to reveal to me anything that might be planned against me, any opposition in this proposal that I'm about to make to this body, to this group of people. Holy Spirit, reveal to me what I should say. Give me your unction. Give me your words to speak. When you're in a challenging debate and discussion, especially about scriptural things, you certainly need Holy Spirit to be there to give you the words to say. When someone is, is challenging you even relative to the word of God or any particular things, you think you don't know how many times you didn't have to break eye contact with the person. You simply have to say, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. Give me your words. Give me your answers. Tell me what it is that I need to say. And I'm telling you, as surely as I'm standing here, that God will give you the words to say. God will, will let them bubble up from deep down inside of you. You know, I am not one. I will admit that has, that has not been gifted with the ability. If you rattle off a scripture, I can tell you to challenge chapter and verse that it is. You know, I'm just not, not, not built that way. But I tell you, every time I need to know the word of God, the Holy Spirit gives me the words to say at the appropriate time, at the time for me to take an action, at the time for me to say something to someone else, the Holy Spirit will be there. But you have to believe that he is who he is. You see? You see? And this comes from the only way you can even get to that point of developing this relationship. God wants you to develop a relationship with his Holy Spirit. And the only way you can develop that relationship is by getting to know him, is by surrendering to him. And by simply saying, Lord, I praise you, I magnify you, I love you, Lord God. Give me your Holy Spirit. I don't know how many of you here have, have ever felt during the praise and worship the anointing that fills this sanctuary here, where you can literally feel it coming upon you, you see. But if you're not willing to open yourself to that and, and simply surrendering to God, then you, you'll never achieve that level of, of, of growth. It won't open the door for you 
you to achieve more, you know. And the interesting thing is that I found after being many years in, in ministry, and I've heard other, 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 uh, others say this also after they're around, it, 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 oh, about 50 to 75 percent of churches of, are women. And it seems like the women are the ones that seem like they have less of a hard time in actually praising God and worshiping Him unabashedly, unashamedly. It seems like the men are the ones that are so tight and taut within themselves that they can't give themselves to surrender to God. And as long as you're unable to surrender to God, you're going to have a hard time actually, actually, I hate to say harnessing because we can't harness the power of the Holy Spirit, but, but, but utilizing or benefiting from the power of Holy Spirit. Because you've got to get to the point that you can surrender to God. Okay? And if you can't surrender to God, then the Holy Spirit is not going to be able to move in your life. You see? And with most men, especially Western men, Western, I don't mean Western United States, Western civilization, so to speak, it seems to be more, more prevalent here where men are the ones that... That, that come along the, 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 the more slowly than women because maybe it's that macho thing that's in what Western civilization, you know, I am the breadwinner, I am macho, you know, I smoke Marlboro cigarettes, I chew tobacco, pooey, spit on the ground, and I'm so rough and tough, and, you know, that I, I surrender to no one, you know. Well, guess what, guys? You better learn to surrender to God. Because you can't do it yourself, you know, and you're missing a whole wonderful way of life in dealing with God on such a wonderful personal level where you'll find that Holy Spirit reveals things to you that other people wouldn't even realize. You know, you will wind up doing things and saying things that will even surprise yourself if you will let Holy Spirit just come up and just guide you and and to teach you. He says there, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You see, so the Holy Spirit is there as a a counselor, as one that can guide you. But you've got to believe, you you have to know um, who he is and that he has a will. He reveals truth to you. He teaches. He teaches. Okay? And guess what? Another attribute as one that lives is that he can be grieved. Let's go to Ephesians. Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians uh, 4. Praise the living God. Okay, we're going to start with uh, 17. Ephesians 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Please underline all of that. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth, or from now on, walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Okay? In God's mind, in the deep spiritual reality, there, there are, two, peop- are, are two, two races, two cultures, two creeds, Two nationalities, call it whatever you will. That's believers and non-believers. Everything else in between, man is created because of geographical lines and maps in the world, because of common languages, because of common belief systems or, or cultural systems or whatever. In God's mind, there's no such thing. 
There's two things. Either you're a believer, a follower of the Lord, or a non-believer, or as it was called there, a Gentile. Okay? When God first came to the Jewish people, everyone else was Gentiles. The Jewish people were the ones that believed in the one true God. Everyone else were Gentiles. So in God's mind, so when you get into this thing, you know, you know, you know hey, African American, Hispanics, and white, and this and that, and this and that. If you're a true believer of God, if you're a true child of God, that doesn't exist. Okay? The, 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 the true Michael that is standing before you is a spirit. And that spirit is colorless. Because I'm made in God's image, and so are you. God is a spirit, so that means therefore you are a spirit. So therefore, it's colorless. Your spirit doesn't have a nationality or anything else. Two races, if you will, believers and unbelievers. Okay? So what this is saying here in verse 17, This I say to you, brethren, I testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanities of their mind. Non-believers walk in the vanity of their mind. Their own thinking is what governs and guides them. Seven, eight, uh, verse 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So God is saying again, now if you're a Gentile, these are the things, these are the things that you're suffering from. You know, your understanding is darkened. You cannot understand the deeper things of God because your understanding just is not wired that way yet because as a Gentile, as an unbeliever, you cannot understand the deeper things of God. Okay, and you've probably seen it when you try to talk to somebody about biblical things. You kind of look at them and you can see that what you're saying is going over their heads. You know, they look at you totally dumbfounded. Okay, their understanding, their understanding is darkened. And their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Their hearts are blinded to the things of God. Verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. Please underline, but you. But you have not so learned Christ. For so, if so, be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Please underline, as the truth is in Jesus. There's only one truth and that's in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation or the former way of life of the old man. That is how you were before you came to the Lord. That you put that off. You can underline it. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Okay? The way you were before you became aware of the knowledge of God, before Holy Spirit was moving in you and teaching you, you were, were blind to the things of God. You, you could not understand. Just like some people do not understand why you as a Christian do not do certain things. You see, you see, it's because the Word of God says, or this is what I believe, or Holy Spirit's not guiding me. So you talk to someone that is not a believer, they will never understand why you don't do that. Everyone else in the neighborhood, everyone else in the house, everyone else in this office, everyone else in this nation, they do this, they do that. How come you don't do it? Okay? And you have to be bold enough and strong enough to know why you don't do certain things because the word of God and the Holy Spirit that is in you tells you, I do not partake in these activities. I don't do these things. But they will never understand that. And 22 again, that you put off concerning the former conversation or the former ways of the old man, the old person before you knew Jesus, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Underline 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. All right, you put on the new man, okay? Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Be angry, but do not let that anger take you to the point of, of sinning. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Okay, that's very, very dangerous. You go to bed, you, you know, the sun goes down, the day is over, and you're still angry with someone. That can be very, very dangerous. Neither give place to the devil. Underline that. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him work, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have it to give to him that needs. Okay, let him work that you can give to people that need. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. The corollary to that is also, you know, let no corrupt communication enter into your ears. You need to be careful what you're listening to, you know. Corrupt communication, foul language, cursing and all that kind of stuff. Let that not come out of your mouth. You've got to be careful letting that come into your ears too, you see. You see, because what goes into your ears gets down into your spirit. Okay? Alright? There's the eye gate, there's the ear gate, as it's called. What you see enters into your spirit. What you hear goes into your spirit. So you gotta, so you gotta be careful. You, you, you know, you, know, you, know you, you get to the point that Holy Spirit that is, that is in you balks, reacts when you hear that. Okay, I know there are some things that my wife and I have watched, and boy, the words start getting too salty. Boy, once, twice, it's gone. It's off. I don't want that stuff coming into my ear. It just, it feels uncomfortable down in here. Okay? So if the Holy Spirit is in you, and you're letting the Holy Spirit guide your life, you don't want to hear cursing and all sorts of foul language. You don't want to see all sorts of, sorts of blatant nudity and all that stuff that's going on. It, it, it bothers you deep down in your spirit. Now, if you're not careful, you can override that, of course, because Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way on you, you see. This is putting off the old man and looking at the, the new man. And this is, again, is walking and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit that's in your life. You know, you push him away one way, but then yet still you go crying after him when things go wrong in your life. Holy Spirit is telling you to let that stuff go in your ears, let that stuff go in your ears. But you let it, you let it, you let it. And then all of a sudden things are going wrong in your life and then you start crying to Holy Spirit. Lord, deliver me. Lord, deliver me. But you push him away one way and then you cry out to him when, it's, when, you, when you need him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Use of edifying. Again, what are we speaking out of our mouth? Are the things that we speak out of, out of our mouths, are they edifying? Are they building up someone? Or are we saying words that are going to tear down? If you're going to say something that's going to tear down a person, you're better off not saying anything at all to them. What are we saying to our friends? What are we saying to our relatives? What are we saying to our children? Are we edifying them and building them up in the things that we say to them? Children are a gift from God. A gift. The only with us, we have a responsibility to raise them for the time that they are on this planet Earth. But they belong to God. So how are we treating them? How are we talking to them? The same way we're careful what we say to, a, to an adult, edifying, what are we saying to children? Are we saying words that are tearing them up or are we saying things to edify them or to build them up? Children aren't perfect. 
None of us are perfect, so we have to edify and build them up. Use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So are you saying something to that child or to that person that's going to minister grace to them? Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Please underline that. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Okay? If you're a child of God, you're sealed. You know, you know what the... In the uh, medieval days, the king had a seal and a ring. It was a signet ring in many times. And if he wrote a letter or a message uh, to give you safe passage to a certain place, he put his seal on it. And anyone that saw that letter didn't mess with you because they knew that you were under protection of, 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 the, Holy, of, of, the, of the king. Well, the Holy Spirit has sealed you. And that seal represents to every single spirit of darkness that would be out there that you are a child of God. That you are his. You are his. You see? And for that alone, when I think of that, that God went through the lengths to give me a part of himself, to give me himself, the Holy Spirit, to seal me. When, 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 when I think of that, think that God loves me so much that I have his Holy Spirit as, as a seal on me to protect me. I mean, it just puts you at a place where you just want to bow down and just simply worship him and praise him. You see? But you have to understand who Holy Spirit is to bring you to the place of truly, truly, truly appreciating what God has done. What the Father has done by giving you His Holy Spirit. But we forget about Him. We forget about Him, you know. Again, verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. God forgave you. So why we think we're better than God, we can't give these things to other people. Be ye kind one to another. How do we interact with other people? Do we show kindness? Do we show some affection to other people? Do we talk to other people in, in, a, in an uplifting fashion? Do we greet other people? You see? You know, you know, God looks at us as being brothers and sisters of one another, but how do we treat one another? Do we think of another person as being less than this or less than that, especially a child of God? If you can't talk to a child of God or speak to a child of God, then you should wonder, what is Holy Spirit doing in me? Or, what is, or am I just simply pushing back on Holy Spirit? You know, I see that, I see that in, in ministries. I see that in ministries. You get little cliques, you get little factions. After the service, people break up and they go off in certain ways and so on like that. Never really talking and, and, and interacting one with the other. We're all children of God. Holy Spirit is in you. Do you think God wants his, wants his people behaving that way? And I don't care how big or small the ministry is, I've seen it in all size ministries, all size. Now, that is not to say, especially, you know, in a large ministry that you, you're going to know every single person that's there. But it's how do you feel? If you had a strange person in that ministry come over and start talking to you, are you comfortable in talking back with that person? Or are you going to run, are you going to look at that person and pull out your, your little iPad or something and say, uh, you're not in my clique, I can't talk to you, <laughs> and go off the other way. You see, God sees that. Holy Spirit sees that. But yet still we want something from God and we go running to him, we're crying to him. But yet still it's the little things that we miss where we may be grieving the Holy Spirit by the way that we're acting. But we want blessings from God. We want God to give us this, God to do that, God to do that. But how are we acting? Are we acting like the old man that we used to be before you knew God? 
Or are you indeed carrying yourself like the new person you're supposed to be in Christ Jesus? Amen? So Holy Spirit has feelings, another attribute which shows that he is more than in it. Okay? He can give joy. A couple of more scriptures. Go to Thessalonians. Praise the living God. I think so many times, again, because of the fact that I say that we oftentimes say the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians, sorry. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. Because we refer to the Holy Spirit. We kind of get used to saying, you know, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit. Or, or, or God the Father, God, Jesus, you know, but then we say the Holy Spirit, like, he, like he's an add-on. We forget about how important Holy Spirit is to your well-being, to your peace of mind, especially when you've got an emotional thing that's going on. You know, you hear some bad news or you get something that's, 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 that kind of shakes you up and whatnot. You, you've got to remember, you know, that Holy Spirit is there. Lord, give me a fresh anointing, you know. The Holy Spirit, you know, when I was suffering with that, um, that vertigo, you don't know how much I prayed and relied on the Holy Spirit to get me from day to day. It's one of the worst things in the world. I don't wish that on my, my worst enemy. The dizziness and the nausea that it brings on. And I mean, moment by moment, I had to pray for strength. Lord, give me a fresh anointing of Holy Spirit. Get me from point A to point B. I kid you not. But you have to get to the point that you realize that He's there. And you can only realize that he's there if you're praying. You ever find somebody that you just don't talk to? And if you don't talk to that person, you don't have the faintest idea of what they're all about. If you don't have a desire to know that person or to talk to that person, you don't know what they're capable of. You don't know what they're all about. You don't know anything about them at all. And we go through life like that, let's be honest. People we just don't want to talk to, don't want to do whatever, don't want to be bothered, or can't find time. You don't know anything about that person. You know? How do you expect to know the Holy Spirit? He's there. Matter of fact, He's in you. If you're a child of God, according to the Word. But you don't spend time and you don't think about even calling on Him or asking Him things. Things in your life going a certain way and you're praying and so on like that. But do you ask the Lord, Lord, give me a Holy Spirit to guide me about what I should do. About to buy a house, but buy a car, whatever. New job, new location, moving, whatever. Do you ever, during your prayer time, do you ever say, Lord, give me a Holy Spirit to guide me? Give me the words to say, what action should I take? Should I turn left or should I turn right? What did Jesus say? Why is the Father sending him? Or why is Jesus sending him? Eh? Parakletos is the Greek. Your counselor. Your comforter. You know? He will bring you and guide you in all things. He will bring to remembrance the things. You ever start and all of a sudden get ready to do something? And then all of a sudden it will come back to you? Oh, wait a minute. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't say this. I didn't say that. Oh, wait a minute. Let me back up. And you turn around and there was something you should have done, very, very important. Before you take that next step, 
who do you think was reminding you? You know? In our little finite minds, we can never track everything that needs to be done in our lives, regardless of the smartphones and the Palm Pilots and everything else that we have. You can get ready to embark upon doing something, and Holy Spirit will call you right back in a moment. In a moment. Oh, you forgot to do so-and-so. Many times. And I know it was the Lord a quickening right here in the pit of my gut almost will just say, Hey, you forgot this, you forgot this, you got to do that. The Holy Spirit guiding you. But you've got to recognize that voice. And if you're not talking to him, then you don't know his voice. Just like if you don't talk to certain people. You don't know that voice. We were at, we were at, a, at a game, um, basketball game, with our grandchildren yesterday. And my daughter was there. And she wasn't nearby me. But I heard her talking to somebody. I recognized her voice instantaneously. Why? Because I know her. Alright? When you start growing up and you start having children, you can be in a store someplace or someplace else. And I've heard, when my kids were little, even the grandkids, I hear someone else, gee, that sounds like so-and-so. Because you know the voice. You know the voice. But that comes because you talk to the person. You know them. Holy Spirit can be crying out to you at a time when it's very, very important for you the things to be done in your life. God could be calling to you. Holy Spirit could be calling to you. But if you haven't surrendered to, and choosing to know him, then you won't recognize his voice when the time comes. And it could be detrimental to you. Or at best, it could be something that you're missing out on, a blessing. Amen? Amen? When the time comes and you're feeling down, the Holy Spirit gives us joy. Thessalonians 1, uh, verse number 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost. Well, he says, it says the in, in King James, I still say in Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much, much affliction with joy of Holy Ghost. Okay? So the Holy Spirit can bring you joy. You underline that with joy of Holy Spirit of, of Holy Ghost, okay? So the Holy Spirit can indeed bring joy into your life when you're feeling down about something. You just you you just you're not even sure why you're feeling down. I mean, there's some there's some days I don't know know about you, but but I mean you know I can just wake up and and just feel and just feel ugh you know kind of like the blah. I'm going to go to Romans next. You can wake up and just kind of feel feel the blahs. You're not quite, quite sure why you're feeling that way. But all you know is that you just kind of feel out of sorts. You feel like things just aren't right or whatever. Well, this is the time where you should indeed uh, uh, seek the face of the Holy Spirit. Ask him, say to him, say to him, Lord, what, what's going on here? Why am I feeling, feeling down like this? Lord, give me energy, give me strength, give me your joy. This is the time where you should also start worshiping Holy Spirit. You know, you know, darkness cannot be in the same place as light. It is just, it is just impossible. It's even impossible from a physics point of view, from a scientific point of view. Darkness cannot occupy any space where there is light. So if there's darkness in your life and you're feeling like kind of the blahs going on, then you need, maybe you need the light of the Holy Spirit to bring some light into your life, into your heart. Uh, Revelation, I'm sorry, Romans 8. Romans chapter 8, sorry about that. Romans chapter 8, we're going to go to verse uh, 14. 
And speaking of joy, one of the best things to, to, uh, uh, to bring joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit into your life is again, is playing, is listening to some praise and worship music. You know? You're in your car or at home or someplace, put on some praise and worship music. You know? And I really like listening to praise and worship music with earphones because it just kind of blocks everything else out around you and you have that music into your ear. And then try praising God. Try praising him when, when you're feeling down, when you've got, just kind of got the blahs or something like that going on. You know, I put on praise worship music when I'm getting in the shower in the morning, many times, most of the time. Amen. Put on some praise and worship music. You know, the devil will not be there, especially where you're praising God. You know, and if you don't really know how to praise God, then it starts with, again, searching your heart and trying to figure out, well, what is praise and what is stopping me from praising God? If you love the Lord, then it should be, should be very easy to praise Him. You know, you've heard me say before, if there's someone in your life that you know that's really been fantastic to you, bailed you out in some, some way or another, gave you some money when you needed some money really badly, paid the rent, paid the mortgage, or done something that you really, really, really appreciate, you have no problem praising that person. Now, you don't bow down on your knees, but you certainly say, boy, so-and-so's a wonderful guy. So-and-so's a wonderful woman. Man, oh, man, boy, in time of need, boy, she was there to help me and so forth. And if anyone speaks poorly of that person, you will come to that person's defense in many cases, you know. Oh, no, 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 she did right. She's a wonderful So you're kind of praising that person. But look at all that God did for you. And you can't praise him. And I mean really praise him. Not going through the motions. But from deep in your spirit, God knows whether you appreciate him or not. God knows your spirit. God knows how much you love him. You see? You see? And we can appreciate somebody, a human being, and we've seen this, and never know how to show that appreciation. We've all been there with that. You appreciate someone, but you never show that appreciation. Well, with God, though, it takes it, takes a different, it, takes it to a different level. You can maybe not appreciate and not tell another human being uh, anything about how much you appreciate him, and it'll get you but so far, or whatever. So it doesn't get you in good graces with that person. But imagine when you're doing that to God, what's happening with that? You're you're playing a dangerous game because that's involving your life. If you can't tell God how much you really appreciate him and set aside some time to let him know that, then you're never having that conversation with God where you can really truly get to know Him. And when Holy Spirit is telling you not to go, so not to do something, you, you know, you know, I, I will never, never forget. We were down in in, uh, in Disneyland, and I do not like heights, fast cars, and riding things that dip up and down. Like I don't do roller coasters and stuff like that. If the merry-go-round is too fast, I don't get on it. <laughs> I can do a carousel. <laughs> okay? But anything with dips and rides and stuff like that, I just don't do it. So there was a, a ride that was called Cars, and it was modeled after that uh, cartoon character, I guess it is, you know, Cars and so forth. And, uh, um, and uh, my wife and daughter, they love that sort of thing, and so they kind of almost talked me into going. So we're walking there, we're walking there, we're getting closer and closer, okay? God knows you. Trust me when I say that. God knows you, okay? And they were like, no, it's not going to be that bad. They, they looked it up and so forth. No, it's not going to be that bad. And we're walking there and got online or started to get online. And I heard as clearly as someone standing uh, next to me, don't go on that ride. Simple as that. Don't go on that ride. And last minute I said, no, honey, you you guys go on. I'm going to sit it out. Twenty minutes later, a half hour of the long ride came. 
As they came out of the ride, they held over their head, all cross-eyed, looking and stumbling. No, I'm just kidding. They weren't that bad. But the ride was, the ride was bad, even for them. I mean, there were dips and there was speed and all this sort of thing, all right? And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that was Holy Spirit. God knows I don't care for those kind of rides, okay? If I needed to go on that ride, God would have taken me through it. I know that I have no doubt in my mind if there's a life-threatening situation, I had to ride that, that thing, God would have gotten me through it. I, I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But God knows me. And what I'm saying to you is that, and I told my wife and I said that had to be Holy Spirit, because at the last minute I did not go because I heard, don't get on that ride. So I'm saying that to say to you, That the same way there could be a ride in your life, quote-unquote, before you. There could be something in your life that would not be enjoyable by you. If you're accustomed to talking to the Holy Spirit and hearing His voice, God will give you that warning. Don't go there. Don't make that decision. Don't choose this. Don't choose that. God will tell you and stop you from doing something that you will regret later on. But the only way you can do that is if you know Holy Spirit. And if you realize that he's a part of the Godhead, that he is God. And he's here for you, as Jesus said. Okay? So in here in Romans, in closing here, Romans 8, verse number uh, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Please underline led. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. And that fear there includes anxiety, it includes stress, it includes worry, it includes fear of man. Anything that would hinder you from developing into the fullness of God as he would have you to be. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Underline, you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You've been adopted into the family of God. Okay, And when it says there, by the way, you, you have not received the spirit of bondage, again, interfere. Bondage is being in chains, like you're jailed, you're locked into. If you're being driven by fear and anxiety and worry, you are in bondage. You're in prison, if you will. Because that spirit is not going to let you go out and do something that God wants you to do. It's not going to, you won't be free to, to do what God would want you to do because you're going to be fearful, you're going to be anxious, you're going to be worrying about doing things all the time. So having fear, letting fear govern your life, anxiety, worry, and stress, and all that govern your life, you're in bondage. That's because you're not free. You're not free, okay? When, 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 when you've cast that out of your life and that fear tries to come at you, and it always will, as long as you're a child of God, there's going to be something that comes up to put that fear or anxiety in you, okay? That, that bondage thing will keep you so trapped to that that you wind up just worrying, you're worrying, you're worrying. Being set free from that and realizing that you're free is when that fear hits you and you go into prayer right away and you say, Lord God, I give it to you. I rebuke you, I reject you, spirit of fear. My Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And then you rebuke that. Lord, I give that situation to you to handle. I give it to you because I know your Holy Spirit will guide me. You release it, you're set free. Because you're no longer worrying about it. You're not carrying that thing as a big burden on your back. I know many of you read the Christian book, Pilgrim's Progress. That's a good example of that knapsack that was being carried around. All that gunk, just burdened, okay? So 15 again, for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
And his children, then we are heirs. Please underline, and his children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Underline. Joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may uh, be also glorified, glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. Which shall be revealed in us. All right. So we see there that the Holy Spirit can also can also lead us. But you've got to be to the point that you understand who the Holy Spirit is and you believe who he is and that you trust in who he is and you can avail yourself of, of, of his um, of, of his movement in your life. You can do so much if you let him guide you, all right? But you won't know to follow him if you're not able to listen to him and to hear his voice and to surrender to him. Amen? Amen? So I just pray that you think about that and ask yourself, who is Holy Spirit to me? Who do I think Holy Spirit is? Amen? I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.